Beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. Right, good evening everybody. Welcome to Vibe Wednesday. Um, this is Questions and Answers with POD, where I get to answer all your questions concerning the gospel. And I believe that we're going to have a great time on tonight. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. We are sitting around the truth of your word, and there is clarity, there is precision. We thank you because the truth of your word is entering our hearts. Thank you because your wisdom is at work in me. And right now, I make demands on your wisdom as we go into the teaching of your word. Thank you because you are answering these questions accurately through me. In Jesus' holy name, we declare, amen and amen and amen. All right, let's start. I'm going to start from the very first question that we received. And this is from Dillis. It says, good afternoon, sir. As regards the soul, wow, she's taking us back to socks and underwear. Amazing. As regards to the socks and underwear series, when did we do that series? Um, I don't know if it was this year or last year. Anyway, I want to ask a couple of questions. First, I personally want to accomplish all that I desire or have planned out career growth so much spiritually. Okay. She, she says career, then grow so much spiritually and business-wise too before getting married. Is this wrong? Well, nothing can be wrong about what your decision is. Um, you know, like I always say, we don't really focus on, you know, um, right or wrong. We, even though... It won't be a bad thing to check if something is right or wrong, but we focus on what is a life, okay? So it's not wrong for you to want to hit certain milestones before you get married. It's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, that you want to do certain things. You want to grow spiritually. You want to advance your career um there is nothing wrong with that at all you know so to answer your question it is not wrong you know so but however um i'm going to go ahead to ask you if you know the importance of the institution of marriage you know if you understand the importance of the institution of marriage then why can't two be better than one um, that's the first thing. Two are better than one, says scripture. So why can't that be true in your own case? Also, is this what you want or is this what 
you know you you know that the lord wants for you you know um so is there is there really an end to career growth or to spiritual growth is there really an end to it like is there is there it's an unending spiral okay it's an unending spiral it's in in the sense that there's no end to career growth there's no end to spiritual growth so um at what point what is your benchmark for determining what career growth is and what you know spiritual growth is so whilst i can tell you for a fact that it is not wrong um it is important that we we remain flexible with the leading of the spirit with regards to some of the decisions that we intend to make um why can't whoever you are in a relationship with support you to become all that you need to be encourage you strengthen you and you know to become better than one okay and the follow-up my follow-up response to this question will probably come by the time i read your second question but to answer you plainly no nothing is wrong with that so here's your second question at what point okay this is your second question at what point would a person know that it is okay to have a partner is there a perfect time and is it wrong to wait till you feel it is convenient for you in all aspects and also is it wrong to not want to be married or have kids so again let's start with is it wrong is it wrong no it is not wrong it is not wrong for you to decide that you don't want to get married um it is not wrong for you to decide that you don't want to have kids okay it is not wrong now that's why i said i was going to respond to your question um I'm going to say the other aspect of my response to your question um, in when I read this second question. Now, marriage itself is an institution, and this is this is what so many people fail to realize. Marriage is an institution. The other thing that you need to realize is that marriage is not compulsory. You don't have to be married to fulfill all that God has called you to accomplish on earth you know this societal pressure that people are under to marry 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 um you do well to not put yourself under that situation under that kind of pressure you know you do well to observe your life observe the trajectory of your life observe the things that god has placed you in the earth to do and then in partnership with the holy spirit determine whether marriage is for you or not you see because paul was not married jesus was not married yet they accomplished all that god you know had designed for them to accomplish so um to answer your question marriage is not compulsory it is not wrong for you to decide that you don't want to get married now having said that 
The reason why it's important for you to realize that it is not wrong for you to decide not to get married is that marriage is an institution and it's not a forced institution. It is a learned institution. In other words, you get to know what the institution is about and choose to abide by the institution. Okay, for example, um, when you received admission into a university because the university is an institution they determine what it would take to get an admission here and what it would take to graduate from that institution so institutions have guides they have um would i call it they have laid down guides they have you don't just enter an institution a, 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 a university on your own terms no you don't you the university tells you how the guide gives you a guide as to how you will be admitted into this institution the same way with marriage marriage has guides you know um it's an institution okay and what that means is that they are guides they are guiding principles as to you know how to engage this institution and if a person is unwilling to follow the guiding principle then they have no business with the institution so to answer your question um is there a perfect time no there's no such thing as a perfect time the the only time that it will be perfect the only time that it will be perfect for a person to have a partner is the time when the person has come into revelation knowledge. So the only perfect time is the time that a person has come into revelation knowledge about what, you know, um, what marriage is all about, you know, what the institution represents. All right. And all of that. So, that's that's the perfect time okay that's the perfect time the perfect time is actually the knowledge time the time that a person has come to know as much as they can you know with regards to everything that they can know about the institution called marriage so when people say things like i'm old enough to get married my mates are married there's no such thing as a person being old enough to get married uh, to get married marriage is not a is not an age check marriage is a knowledge check you know marriage is how much do i know about the institution and how much am i willing to abide by the knowledge that i have come into about the institution you know for one if i am unwilling to love unconditionally if i'm a man and I'm unwilling to love unconditionally the way Christ loved the church, then I have no business in that, in that moment. I have no business with marriage. Do you see what I'm saying? So, um, to answer your second question, the only perfect, the only perfect time to be married is the time when a person has come into revelation knowledge, you know, about what the institution of marriage represents okay um so at what point will it be okay 
will a person know that it is okay to have a partner at the point where you have come to know about what the institution of marriage represents and you want to abide by the institution or by what the institution represents that is the perfect time for you that's when you know that you are ready um is it wrong to wait till you feel it is convenient for you in all aspects and also is it wrong to want to be to not want to be married or have kids so to to just completely respond to your question um I mean, so the question I want to ask you is, at what point do you think it is going to be all-round convenient? In fact, this actually goes against the principle of uh, Christian faith, you know, because, you know, in Christ Jesus, we, we, are, we are called to live by faith and not by sight. The kingdom of God, you know, does not come by observation. So, this even goes against our, our belief in Christ Jesus. You know, we don't do things based on convenience. We do things based on conviction. We don't, we don't live our lives based on what is convenient. We live our lives based on what we are convinced about. That's why your pursuit should not be convenience. Your pursuit should be conviction. What am I convinced about this idea called marriage what are my convictions about it what are the things that i have come to know about the institution called marriage what are the things that i have i have gained conviction about you know so to wait for convenience really at what time will it really be convenient you know if you're if you're functioning with your own clock at what time do you think it's going to be convenient? Is it at the time when you have dotted your I's and crossed your T's and all of that? Um, no, it is the time when you are convinced about the things that the institution represents. Um, you shouldn't wait for convenience. Even in our daily lives, we don't wait for things to be convenient. Otherwise, you will never move. We get conviction and our conviction is from God's word from the revelation of God's word concerning the subject matter and then we step out you know I being in the way scripture says I being in the way the Lord led me so we step out we don't I mean we don't wait for convenience praise God so um yeah that's to answer your question I, I believe that that really answers your question holistically and i'm very certain that it has brought perspective to you and perspective to you with regards to the things that we have um spoken about okay so at what point um would a person know that it's okay to have a partner i have answered that is there a perfect time i have answered that and is it wrong to wait till you feel it is convenient for you in all aspects? I've also answered that. And also, is it wrong to not want to be married or have kids? I've also answered that. But let me let me just say one last thing. So now that you have, now that a person has said, you know, I don't want to get married. Okay. It's very important for you to have a holistic view about that. So what he also means 
is that you don't want to have sex. And what it also means is that you're not doing any of those things. Because what happens is that sometimes people come into a place where, you know, they begin to deceive themselves. So um, when a person says, I am not cut out for marriage, it should also mean that I am not cut out for premarital sex. It should also, also mean, because what happens is that people say, I'm not getting married, I, I don't want to get married. But then they are entangled with someone and they're having sex with someone or they're having sex with multiple people and all of that. And it, it just becomes a distraction. It even becomes more of a more of a challenge than the married situation in the first place. Because now that person not you i'm just i'm just giving an analogy that person now gets entangled with numerous people you know so i think that we should be we should all be true to ourselves from the standpoint of revelation of god's word and when i say be true to yourself from the standpoint of the revelation of god's word i mean don't know your bad this is so powerful don't try to know yourself in isolation from God's word. Don't try to know yourself isolated from God's word. Don't try to define yourself or to know you outside of the revelation of God's word. It's important for you to know yourself, your limits, your extents, to know your abilities, to know your likes, your dislikes, you know, to know yourself out of God's word. You know, and this is very important because so many people are getting to know themselves based on societal definitions, based on I'm a choleric, I'm a phlegmatic, I'm a sanguine and a sandine <laughs> and uh, um, <laughs> this is <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, people are getting to know themselves outside of the revelation of God's word. And that's the problem. That's the problem. So people are defining themselves based on societal exposure as against the word of God. So how did the person come about, I am not going to marry? Was it a function of assignment? Was it a function of purpose? You know, or was it just a personal decision based on, I looked at somebody else's experience and I decided to align myself to that person's experience. When Paul didn't get married, it wasn't because he saw somebody's bad marriage experience. And so he now decided he wasn't going to get married. When Jesus didn't get married, it wasn't because he saw somebody's bad marriage experience and they now decided he wasn't going to get married. No, these were com these were purpose-driven conversations, you know, that at, at my assignment could be fulfilled without me having to be married. And so they followed that route as against you know, being under the influence of somebody else's experience, you know. So the word of God should mirror you to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how it works. The word of God should mirror you to you. Let me put it like this. The word of God should mirror the father to you. And when you find the father, you find yourself. So let us be guided in that regard. So understand that I'm not getting married also means I'm not, I'm not, going to be sexually active you know i'm not going to move from person to person and now once you decide that that's fine that's okay you don't have to be married and if you want to be married it's important that you stick with the institution 
Thirdly, if I find someone or I meet someone that I like, but he doesn't meet your expectations spiritually, but is intentional about growing in his faith, is this advisable today? So um, I'll just respond to that question very quickly. Um, you know, be clear, you know, that what's your, for example, let me put it like this. So that a person doesn't meet your expectations spiritually. The question is, what are those expectations that you have? You know, are those, I mean, what are those expectations? If a person is, if you expect to meet a person who is serious with, about their Christian faith, now that's something you shouldn't set aside just because you want to date someone. You, you, you expect that somebody is serious with their Christian work. Somebody is serious with their spirituality. Somebody is serious with, about their growth. Somebody is serious about their development. Now that's a, an expectation that you don't want to cast aside because the guy, the guys or the lady is nice. She looks good and all that. You don't want to cast that kind of expectation aside because that's an important expectation that a person is serious about before they meet you. They are already serious about their relationship with Jesus and they are serious about their growth. You know, because I always say that the gospel has been around for a bit. And if people have heard the gospel and cannot yield to the love of God, who loves them unconditionally, I doubt that they know what love is. And it is dangerous to align yourself with somebody who is yet to fully submit to God's love. I just personally think that, you know, it's not a good thing to do. So what are those expectations? And be true to yourself because... One of the things that I have noticed is that the fastest place where people give excuses for people is in relationships. In relationships, when you know they, you know they like someone and they want to be with someone, that's the quickest way to give excuses for them. You know, so be honest with yourself that what you're seeing, that who you are seeing is marriable, that what you are seeing you can deal with. You know. Okay, the person intends to grow spiritually. That's a good thing. But how about character? How about, you know, um, how, you know, gracious the person is? You know, how about things that are value-driven, value-driven conversations? How about those things? How about, you know, so you want to look at those things holistically. Now, let me just say this. Um be honest with yourself that the person you are seeing right here is um wants to develop for the purpose for the right reason not because they like you and they're in a relationship with you you know so they want to do it to impress you a time will come when they will no longer be motivated to impress you in that relationship and there you would begin to have challenges so ensure that what you are seeing is what it truly is. That this person is willing to learn independent of you. This person wants to be teachable independent of you. This person is serious about their relationship with Jesus. They understand that if you were to walk away today, they will still pursue a healthy relationship with Jesus. That is very important. That is very important that nobody is doing anything trying to set themselves up to do something you know because of you 
that they're actually doing it because they realize that this is the right thing to do. So I believe that, um, you know, you'd be able to make your deductions from there. I hope that I have been able to um, respond to your question. So we have another question here from Anonymous. This person wants to remain anonymous and that's a good thing. That's also welcome as well. I'd like to know what I should do if I start feeling unsure and uneasy about a friend. Um, if I constantly feel that the friend is trying to hurt me or have bad intentions for me. But in the real sense, we are great. I mean, outwardly. But I sense so much. I don't want you to, in quotes, I don't want you to be happy. I want you to fail. I want to hurt you. I am jealous of you. And I am beginning to worry about the sweet gifts I have been getting. Honestly, honestly feel there, there is a hidden intention. I also feel that this person isn't always completely honest. Okay, so... Um, okay, P.S. Sometimes I take the food or the gifts and I use them and I pray and quote scripture saying Mark 16 and verse 18. Okay, so, um, and Mark 16, 18 speaks about if you take up any deadly thing, it would not hurt you. Now, can I say this? This is bondage. <laughs> This is just absolute bondage because two basic foundational things in a friendship or a relationship is missing here. And the first is trust. The first is trust. You don't have any business, no matter how long you have known someone or how long you have been in a relationship with someone or how long you have been friends with someone you have no business with someone that you do not trust you have no business the moment a person begins to give you the um the reason not to trust them anymore that's the time to begin to create a distance so this is just i mean trust is so lacking here and that's a problem you know, the second basis for any relationship is aligned values. Aligned values. What what are the values both of you share? And, and do your values still align? You know, and that's the thing. The problem many times is that people go to begin to have values that are not um, in sync with the word of God with certain people. And then now... They cannot stand their grounds as Christians anymore because people have seen them compromise those values over and over and over again. You know, so these are the two bases for having any kind of relationship. It is that we, the trust is there and that our values aligned amongst other things. Now, if these two things are missing from, from the question you're asking, these two things seem to be missing. And that's not a good thing that's not a good thing when people move from trust to suspicion it becomes a problem 
it becomes a huge huge problem you know and so let us start looking at this thing holistically okay first would be there's a difference between um sensing a leading or being discerning and being suspicious god has not given us the spirit of suspicion god has given us a discerning ability god has this given us a a his holy spirit leads us guides us but his holy spirit does not make a suspect or a suspicious person out of us so you want to be able to dis- determine between the two am i just being suspicious or is this a leading by the spirit am i getting signals by the spirit now here is what i am going to say if if your friendship has gotten to this point where you are you know you do not have trust anymore i think it's time to begin to you know create the distance that's the first thing or begin to re-establish your trust ask yourself what are those things that is making me not to trust this person anymore and then weigh those things if you think that this person is not a suspicion but you think this person is out to hurt you you think this person is jealous of you what are you doing there what are you doing there that's no longer a healthy place you know because a healthy relationship whether friendship or whatever is a place where people are free to be themselves you know look at david and jonathan kind of situation you know jonathan was literally taking off his entire royal robe for david to sit on the throne the throne was meant for jonathan but he was taking off his entire royalty and handing it over to david you know in so so those are some of the things you're supposed to be looking out for if the if that space is no longer safe for you to thrive and flourish then you want to begin to ask yourself certain salient questions you know are these people is this person happy to see me succeed are they genuinely happy to see me thrive will they for the sake of assignment for the sake of my assignment if they understand my assignment will they let something go because they want me to fulfill my assignment these are some of the questions you want to ask yourself and let me tell you your 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 close knit friendships this is this is very powerful your close knit friendships and your close knit relationships should be assignment based should be assignment driven in other words nobody should come into your close knit circle all right that is not there to you know for the sake of assignment that is not in your life who understands your assignment and is helping you get there you see close knit relationships and close knit um friendships must be driven by assignment must be driven by purpose must be driven by an understanding of what your assignment is because how else am i supposed to protect you if i don't understand your assignment so if i am your friend and i'm in your life on the basis of your assignment and your assignment for example includes sharing the gospel as an athlete i'm not going to allow you to maybe i'm not going to be comfortable with allowing you into certain vices 
because I know it's going to destroy you and you're not going to be able to be the best in that assignment. So if you're, if you're an athlete, for example, and that's your, you're supposed to spread the gospel in that community through your, through your expertise, I'm not going to let you take alcohol. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be your friend and sit there and watch you drink alcohol and destroy your liver and all of that, or get addicted to something and destroy yourself. For assignment, I'm not gonna let you self-destruct. That's why friendships must also be built on what is your assignment. What am I helping you preserve in the earth? You know, what am I helping you accomplish in your life? What is heaven's heaven's mandate on your life that i mean your life to help you midwife and give birth to what is heaven's sponsorship over your destiny and over your life that i am here to help you give birth to this is so if if your friendship doesn't cut a lot of this then then sadly you may want to begin to put that friendship in an outer circle that is not a core if your friendship is full of suspicion, full of, you know, jealousy, full of bickering, full of all of these things that you have mentioned here, then that friendship is not supposed to be an inner circle like it seems like you are revealing here. That friendship is supposed to be an outer circle kind of friendship. You know? And, and, and they're not supposed to go any closer than that. And... You know, if we all live our lives without the sentiments, it can be difficult sometimes, but we all have to live our lives without the sentiments of people pleasing. Um, we have to learn to live our lives without the sentiments of people pleasing. I don't want to go too deep into this particular conversation because I can just go on and on and on and on and totally um, just there of course but i think that i have said certain things that are important number one if trust is meeting is missing in a in any particular relationship friendship whatever once trust is missing then we need to sit down and begin to reevaluate that relationship it will not be worth it for trust to be re to be missing if your values no longer align for example is jealousy a value to both of you you know, is malice a value to both of you? Is envy a value to both of you? Do you sometimes share stories of how you envy somebody else or how you're jealous of somebody else or how you want to poison somebody else's food? <laughs> is that the value both of you share? If that's the value both of you share, then we can understand if you are afraid that somebody based off of that conversation wants to also poison your food. But if your values are not based on that then the question is where is this coming from and if that is true and you you discern that this is what's happening then you may want to really cut off from that friendship and you know let me say this and this is the final thing i'm going to say let's not live our lives as though we are one straight jacket kind of people look there's something called changing your mind Changing your mind simply means that at the time I was making the decision I made, I did not have all the details. I did not have all the facts. I did not have all the details. 
now i have all the details and you know what i don't think this relationship is aligned anymore i changed my mind people act as though your mind is something that you can't change if i started something without having the big picture and now i have the big picture and it's no longer as favorable or it's not no i changed my mind we change our minds it's it's it, nobody's going to hurt you for changing your mind so this will be my submission to you okay so um second lisa i'd like to know what you think i'd like to know what you think sorry i don't know if this is wrong but it's something is it something to just wave off probably just overthinking or analyzing the situation too much and what if and what if i have prayed about it how do i handle the friendship without actually getting out of the friendship even when we've been friends for years and they already know too much information so my response to you would be the honest truth is there are some friendships that you might need to get out of and if this is so you also need to check yourself that you are not being suspicious and that this is more of like a discernment or a leading and you want to ask yourself what is what is making me feel like this what are the things making me feel like this and be honest with yourself and yes at some point you might have to say you know what this person cannot be in my inner circle because trust is broken and our values do not align anymore so this person cannot be in my inner circle we can still be friends from a distance we can still hang out once in a while but this person cannot be as close to me as this yes you may want to begin to draw the line and begin to create some distance for yourself so i would like to know what you think and what scripture says about praying before eating is there a guide to this or is this or it doesn't really matter or change anything love always love you always also anonymous um what does scripture say about um praying before eating it is giving thanks we saw jesus many times give thanks to the father you know before he broke a meal it's giving thanks it's thanking the father you know it's having a heart of gratitude at all times you know that lord you know thank you for provision thank you you know in, in scripture that's what we see it's always a heart of gratitude every time you see the father's abundance provision you see gratitude peter did it when there was a net breaking load of fish you saw his gratitude there you know jesus did it gave thanks broke bread you know there's always that need for gratitude um it's a function of gratitude for provision there has to be gratitude that's why jesus was very disturbed when there was provision of healing and there was no commensurate gratitude you know that only one person came back to say thank you after there, there had been such strong provision of healing one person out of ten so jesus was worried but what's what's this so Praying over food is a function of gratitude. Or it's a function of giving thanks to the Father for that provision. You know, and you must take note of this. Provision must be, must be greeted with gratitude. Provision of the teaching of God's word. 
provision of clarity, provision of encouragement, provision of direction, provision of anything must be followed up with gratitude. Let me let me say this just in digression. People are getting so carried away, so occupied with themselves that they do not have the time to f- to find reason to be grateful any longer. And don't be that kind of person your eyes and your heart must be open to see you know and this is this is somebody who is trained properly in your spirit to recognize difference to recognize your day would normally go like this you would buy food for yourself you know and then god causes somebody or something to happen that interrupts the normal flow of your day in a good way Ah, the least you can do is to be grateful. The least you can do is to be grateful. You know, you normally drive yourself to work, but now there's a provision where somebody is chattering a car to come and take you from from your office to your house and from your house back to the office. The least you can do is, is be grateful. You see, the reason why many people don't see a lot of alterations of the normal order in their lives is because they, they they have not trained their hearts to pick up the signals of of those alterations and be grateful for them you know and it's a heart expansion capacity kind of thing you know our gratitude gives room for for you know capacity to be increased so when when i see people not being grateful i just pity them because you know it just shows a lot that they may miss out on if they don't fix this thing you know this was the same jesus savior of the world though same jesus so who is highlighting the fact that wow some people actually received something and they weren't grateful so what should greet every provision is gratitude and that's what you do when you pray over food but not from the religious perspective of i have to pray over this food though so that every poison every whatever will be demoralized no 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 i don't pray over my food i just food comes i just eat with a heart of gratitude to god i just eat i don't pray over my food i mean because so first of all this is my own my own thoughts you can't poison me you can't poison me if i ate your food it would do me well you can't poison me. Nobody can poison me. The Bible says if I eat any deadly thing, didn't say if I pray about it. Just say if I eat any deadly thing, it would by no means hurt you. He never said if I pray about it. If I am if I'm conscious about it and I pray about it, then it will not hurt me. No, he says if you eat any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. And I believe that. So I don't pray from a place of fear. Um that ah, let's sanctify this food though. No, I don't do that. I just go ahead and just eat my food. Put whatever you want to put in it. It will not hurt me. So it's one of two things. Is that the Spirit of God will give me high-flying discernment to know that not to eat this food because there's something wrong with it or I get to eat it. If the Holy Ghost allows me to eat it and I eat it, nothing is going to happen to me. Okay? So um, we, we pray our 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 prayer over a meal should be that of thanksgiving it should be that of thanksgiving it shouldn't be to begin to bind and cast demon of death 
and all of that it should be that of thanksgiving and if the holy ghost would not have you eat that food he will prompt you and tell you don't eat it and if you feel of any of those promptings just leave it it's not any you, you they didn't do you on food you know you can't do without it praise god forevermore so yeah we have answered that question and and i'm grateful i do hope that you are um really blessed to have had me answer your question i hope i was able to answer your question and i hope this was insightful for everybody so we have another question here and it is from my darling dr onye it says hello sir i trust this email meets you well yes it does meet me well praise god here is my question are all the gifts emphasis on all the gifts of the spirit available to all believers if they are how can we function in them effortlessly so to answer your question yes all the gifts of the spirit are available to all believers all emphasis on all the gifts of the spirit and all believers yes the answer is yes um i'm not gonna go so much into scripture because interestingly all of our series for december is on spiritual gifts so um we're looking at the coming of jesus and the giving of gifts he gave gifts to men so we will definitely look in depth in this but let me just answer you okay the gifts of the spirit the holy ghost is also a gift to the believer pay attention the holy ghost came because of the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ in other words the holy ghost came as jesus's gift to the believer now if there is anything the holy ghost has as a property and he moves in he moves in with all that he has as a property you understand he moves in with all that he is all that he has so he doesn't move in with half of himself then checks you to prove you first before he now brings his second half no he moves in with all that he is you know and when we talk about the gifts of the spirit the holy spirit himself is the gift to the believer <laughs> you understand the holy ghost is a gift to the believer and so when he moves in he moves in with all that he is you know um there's something very interesting that that i think i'm just going to highlight and then whoever you know can find it should just find it you know the bible talks about john's baptism and then the bible talks about how that when the holy ghost when jesus comes he will baptize you with, with the holy ghost and with fire you know now you see a lot of there's been a lot of misunderstanding about the whole baptism Thing. you know baptism itself is a standalone word that word baptism is a standalone word it is to immerse it's just it's a standalone word now when when john baptized john baptized with water so john's baptism was with water but jesus's baptism Jesus's immersion Jesus is going to immerse us in the Holy Ghost so John baptized with water does not mean Jesus was going to baptize with water 
Jesus immersed us in the Holy Ghost. So you and I have been immersed in the Holy Ghost. We've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost doesn't come with half of himself. The Holy Ghost comes with all of who he is and all that he has. So yes, all believers, you know, have all of the gifts of the Spirit, you know, minus the nine gifts. There are other gifts of the Holy Ghost. And all believers have all gifts of the Spirit. Praise God. Now, how do we function in them? Okay, I'll tell you. Number one, you function in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So how do you function in them? Effortlessly and consistent and consistently. And I like how intelligent your question is. So I will answer you intelligently. Okay, how do you function in them effortlessly and consistently? First is you embrace revelatory eye-opening teachings on these realities okay so the first is for you to function in anything effortlessly and consistently you have to consistently be taught about it so the first is teaching okay number two you have to understand the importance of living in a highly spiritual world okay life is 100 percent spiritual now people make mistakes about this people trivialize this truth people do not realize the the importance the reason why many people joke with their faith is because they don't realize the importance of living in a highly spiritual world the the, the life that we live is 100 percent spiritual so understand that let that be very pivotal to you because it is listen it is the what's the word it is the response it is god demonstrating how responsible he is that has made him to give us the person and the the gifts of the holy ghost because it would be bad for god to leave us in a highly spiritual world without a spirit without spiritual gifts oh this is good it will be very very irresponsible of god to leave us in a highly spiritual world without spiritual gifts so um god has shown his his responsibility towards us in that he has put us in a spiritual world and he has given us spiritual gifts okay so the third thing is believe what god's word says so you've heard the word of god believe the word of god you know the word of god talks about how that all of these gifts are freely given to all all right as the holy spirit wills and that word as the holy spirit wills is not if he likes no it is as his manner is listen the one thing you're going to want to really understand and I like this question, is the gifts of the Spirit. You want to really understand it because we live in a highly spiritual world. So, and then the fourth thing is to demonstrate the Word, okay? Act in faith towards God's Word. This is how to continue to function in it effortlessly and consistently. Act in faith towards God's Word. How do people operate in the supernatural? They operate in the supernatural by first believing that they operate in the supernatural by first believing that the supernatural is for them 
You know, anything that you think is beyond you, you will never enjoy. Anything that you think is beyond your reach, beyond your experience, you will never enjoy. Okay, so demonstrate the word. Act in faith towards God's word. All right, and then finally, number five, have a good opinion of God. Have a good opinion of God. All right, this will help you to effortlessly and consistently walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Have a good opinion of God. Don't have a, an opinion of God as somebody who is angry, somebody who is punishing you, somebody who will wait until you have crossed seven ri rivers and seven mountains before he gives his gifts to you and all of that. No, 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 no. Have a good opinion of God. Of the Father who loves to give, the Bible says he gives good gifts to his children. All right, so the final question we have for tonight, I believe that this is helping somebody. The final question that we have from tonight is from Nonso. Nonso, thank you for putting your question in. Number one, where was the human spirit before coming into Christ? Very interesting question. Where was the human spirit before coming into Christ. So, to answer this question, I assume that you are speaking about the spirit of, of a person who is still alive. Alright? So, before coming into Christ, the human spirit was unregenerated. Okay? The human spirit was unregenerated. The human spirit is first unregenerated. The human spirit, before coming into Christ, is living in the human being okay the human spirit is the is in the human being and it is unregenerated all right okay it is under the corruption of the earth in other words where is the human spirit unregenerated living in the human being is subject to the corruption that is in the earth um the human spirit functions with circular ideas all right functions with circular ideas functions with humanistic reasoning and thinking okay so when a man second corinthians 5 17 when a man is in christ jesus something happens there is the recreation of their human spirit the human spirit is recreated in christ jesus so before a man is born again the man has an unregenerated spirit because he has not accepted the invitation to regeneration. So when the person gets born again, the human spirit is now moved into Christ Jesus and is now recreated in Christ Jesus. So the believer's spirit is in Christ. The believer is in Christ. Actually, okay? The believer is in Christ, spirit, soul, and body. Now, the difference is that the soul, James 1.21, the soul is, be, is, is, is catching up through teaching, through education. That's why this is, this is not Christian religious knowledge. This is Christian education. And the purpose of Christian education is for the believer to come into maturity of who they, who they are and all that they have. So you are being, it's called Christian education. And that's why pastors are also teachers, custodians of the truth of God's word. 
to bring you into a place of maturity, to bring you into the place where you are being educated the same way, even much more than a child goes to secondary school, primary school, university to get secular education. The believer is in church, is part of a local church to get Christian education so that the same way a person graduates from the university to then get a job, that's the same way a believer comes into maturity and begins to get things done, begins to, you know, perform miracles, begins to experience prosperity, begins to experience healing, provision, begins to disciple other people, you know. So where was the, where was the human spirit before coming into Christ? The human spirit is on the earth. The human spirit is regenerated. The human spirit is under the corruption of the earth. The human spirit is driven by secular ideas and humanistic reasoning and thinking. Okay? So, until 2 Corinthians 5.17, when the person becomes a new creation, Romans 10, 9 and 10, when the person confesses with their mouth, believes in their heart that they are saved and comes into Christ, then spirit, soul and body now comes into Christ. Listen, your spirit doesn't come into Christ and your soul is left out or your body is left out. No, it is spirit, soul, and body that is in Christ. The difference is that Christ now becomes, oh boy, this is so good. Christ now becomes the unit measure for thinking. His love becomes the unit measure for reasoning. And then out of that love, your soul begins to get regenerated your soul begins to get an education. Your soul begins to know who it is. And then your body comes into alignment. So once your spirit gets this truth, your soul begins to get educated. Now it's in the place of the education of the soul that you're going to have some resistance, behavioral resistance. You're going to have some thought resistance because now a new thought is battling with an old thought. So you're going to have resistance. A person who used to live, you know, thinking about scarcity is now learning about God's abundance and generosity. There's going to be resistance, but you, you, you make up your mind that the truth of God's word will prevail because nobody loses when the truth of God's word prevails in their soul. Your body begins to take the posture or the shape of a recreated or a renewed soul. So, that's my response to that. And number two, how do believers successfully live out their purpose to the fullest with an excellent spirit and a weak soul? How do one successfully align his soul and spirit with perfection even as Christ is perfect or as Christ was perfect? So if I understand this question, um, what you are saying is how does somebody live out their purpose to the fullest with an excellent spirit and a weak soul well so we agree that the spirit is already recreated if your soul is weak it means your soul is deficient of the truth of god's word it you can only say a person's soul is weak when a person's soul is deficient and this your question is very powerful though, because a person's spirit can be recreated and they are coming to class, which is they are coming to church, but they, they have refused to allow their soul to be impacted 
okay, by the truth of God's word, now that's going to play out in their human experience. That's going to play out in the quality of life that they are going to live. So when your spirit is recreated, the way to align yourself is to take in the word of God. You are going to be exposed. Your, your soul must be exposed to the word of God consistently, to the word of God and prayer consistently so if you see a christian that says i've been a christian for 30 years and they don't take the word of god serious they don't take times of prayer serious they always have an excuse to not be there they always have a sophisticated reason for not being there guess what you're going to see a 30 year old christian baby that still doesn't have any deep-seated convictions but a person can be saved today and really open their soul to the transformation, to the renewal that comes from the word of God. And two months down the, the line, they have deep-seated convictions that is only going to grow the more they expose themselves to the word and to prayer. So our growth in Christianity is not measured by how long we've been saved. It's measured by how, how much we are being schooled. <laughs> it's not measured by how long you've been saved. Is measured by how long you are take how long you are how how open you are to your schooling. That you are not skipping class. That you are not that you are not skipping times of devotion, times of prayer. Do you understand? So that's how you ensure that your soul is no longer weak. How do one successfully align his soul and spirit to the perfection that is in Christ? All right, so you align by feeding and by believing and by walking in the consciousness of who you are in Christ. That's how you align. You align your soul to your spirit and to the perfection that is in Christ by feeding, by feeding on God's word, by spending time both corporately and, and quietly in the place of prayer. You know, the interesting thing, like I said before, and I'm going to close on this note, the interesting thing is that people don't grow in the faith based on how long they've been saved. People don't grow in the faith based on how long they've been in a church. People don't grow in the faith based on how long they've been born again. No, you grow based on how long you are yielding yourself to the teaching of God's word. You are yielding yourself to education. The same way a person can be 30 years old and still be in primary five if they keep repeating class it's, it's not a function of how long you've been saved at all so you you come into this realization of perfection with jesus through feeding you're conscious about who you are and you're spending time praying in the holy ghost i believe that this has been helpful for everyone father we thank you in the name of the lord jesus for the time we have had we thank you because your word has come with, with great depth and great power. We thank you for the responses that we have received. We give you thanks and praise. We honor you. Thank you for engaging yourself in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hellwebblueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blueprints Church and on Instagram at The Blueprints Church. Cheers.